Good news, good news, good news. Welcome to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and boy, do we have good news for you. Um, and a week that has been so, what was, what was Vince Scully said after Kirk Gibson's home run, uh, Game 1, 1988 World Series, Dodgers over the A's. Dennis Eckersley, at that point, the best reliever the game had ever seen. And Kirk Gibson had two bad hamstrings and could, you know, if you're trying to hit and you're up there facing 95 mile an hour fastballs, it was that backdoor slider he was anticipating and he just got a bat on it. You know, there was enough velocity, just make contact and it's going to go. And as he's jogging around the bases in absolute pain, uh, <laughs> what Vince Scully said, in the year that has been so improbable, the impossible has happened. And I'll tell you what, I mean, big stories starting off each of the last couple of weeks. Charles Stanley's passing last week. We've got a follow-up to that coming up today and a good news story on that one because so much good has come out. I mean, in the announcing of a beloved saint, 90 years of age, who passed away, the eulogies coming from people inside and outside the church, truly remarkable. But I've got a good news story to share with you today about Charles Stanley that uh, will really make your heart sing. Uh, and then Monday, talk about bombshell, bombshell, <laughs> Tucker Carlson and Don Lemon in the same day walking the plank. My goodness. I mean, one guy used to be the poster child for liberalism, the other for the uh, highest rated uh, news anchor on the conservative side. Yeah, you know, all sorts of crazy things are happening in the world. But nonetheless, we are here. God is still on the throne. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, Hebrews 13, 8 tells us. And so we look to the good news today. And want to do a little housekeeping here, a little gut check, if you will, for the church. Um, and I encourage you to do so on a regular basis. This is, you know, coming out of the pandemic, you know, we just went through the first Easter where everybody didn't really have any restrictions. I mean, 2022 was kind of that way. But remember, the first pandemic restrictions in 2020 happened literally two weeks before Easter. And in 2021, we had gone through the, do we lock down, do we not lock down? Um, Lisa and I were worshiping Sunday and we noticed a woman close by who was singing at the top of her lungs and had her mask hanging over one, her left ear. And we both just kind of looked at each other and asked why. I mean, and I mean that sincerely. If you're going to wear it, wear it. If you're not, don't. But <laughs> nonetheless, but noticing that the worship services that we've been a part of have been packed, the ones where we worshiped online, um, have also had really good crowds and yet i read the tea leaves as it were i mean that's a, a, not that i read tea leaves but i mean that's just an expression um you know kind of wet your finger and stick it to the wind to say which way it's blowing and we know that one of the things that has uh, impacted the church is many churches were very fortunate that they had an online presence during the pandemic because it kind of kept them afloat a lot of churches stepped up their game with regard to their online presence, got new cameras. Uh, in some cases, like my former church actually hired a technical director that we didn't have before to make sure that we were streaming right and proper and true on uh, you know, both campuses. And it really did hold things together for churches that have a shut-in population. My parents will both be uh, uh, pushing 90 here soon, and um, they have discovered the joys of watching my brother's church. They worship with him uh, in the Portland, Oregon area, just outside of Portland in Milwaukee, Oregon. 
and uh, they they worship with uh, Moreland Presbyterian Church every Sunday morning at 9:30 on Facebook. So I mean, there there are lots of things that churches have done to accommodate those, and I think one area where the video revolution has helped churches is to reach out to shut-ins. You know, FaceTime visitation calls. You'll find that people. There's a 100-year-old pastor who lives down the hallway from my folks in their assisted living facility, and he he looked at me one day. I was down there visiting Pastor Chuck, and uh, he was wanting to call one of his daughters. Pulled out his iPad, hit the FaceTime button. He says, "I don't call anybody anymore. I mean, we've, all we do is FaceTime, and uh, it's wonderful, you know, to have that where you can get you get the voice, but you can also see the face. And if you can't be in the same room, he had kids living all over the country." You know, you can do that as well. But now that people are going back to church, now that they are more likely to say, okay, pandemic's over, I'm not staying home because of health reasons, I'm not staying home because of not wanting to spread the virus, um, church attendance has it dropped. Uh, Tom Rainer, formerly of Lifeway, now with Church Solutions, I believe, or Church Answers, the name of his organization, has conducted a survey recently pre-Easter that indicated that church attendance is down by about 25% what it was pre-pandemic. In all honesty, brothers and sisters, my hunch is there were a lot of people who went to church and didn't really know why they were going. They just, that's what I'm supposed to do, especially in the millennial generation Z world. And they discovered they could find a church home just as easily online, and they were good with that. Now, I have a, a couple, well, Lisa and I have six adult children between the two of us. And uh, my daughter, Kaylee, and her husband, Kevin, um, had been in that mode for quite some time simply because they were moving different places. They didn't really get settled in one area all that regularly, couldn't find a church that kind of met what they were looking for. And it's interesting how um, each of them lost a parent. My uh, daughter lost her mom and uh, Kevin lost his dad the same week, literally. It's kind of a tough story to deal with. And it led them both on kind of a deeper spiritual journey to say, we need a community to be connected with. And they just recently joined a local church here in Southern California. Um, Kevin grew up Catholic, Kaylee grew up Lutheran, so they both got baptized together as a, a married couple since they had both been kind of christened, if you will, when they were younger. And they, they're they thriving. So, I mean, they, they're kind of bucking the trend of the younger people who said, I'm just going to worship on the app. They really wanted to be in a Bible study in a small group and, you know, that type of stuff. And I think that's great. But as attendance declines on the church side um you know what that means i mean let's let's be real um it means that financially churches don't have as much to work with and since they don't have as much to work with then the next question is where were they before the pandemic because that's probably the bigger question maybe not so much today as it was four or five years ago how many churches are prepared for a financial hardship um, it's interesting because those are the kinds of conversations that when you get together at the church, you know, board meeting, council meeting, congregational meeting, people don't always want to have that conversation. But Lifeway Research did a phone survey recently, and they talked to pastors in Protestant denominations, either Protestant mainline denominations or non-denominational. And they asked these pastors, okay, Basically, the last time they did the survey was 2016. <laughs> I mean, it's been a while. And so the question then was, how prepared do you feel you are financially to withstand another COVID pandemic, another 
massive shutdown, another loss in attendance, because here you are and you're about 25% lighter than you were. But the question is, the, 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 and the, the way the question was presented was this. Do you have enough cash reserves to be stable for a year? Do you have enough cash reserves to be, you know, to be stable for 16 weeks or less? So it was, it, basically it was a year or more, 16 to 51 weeks, and, um, and then 16 weeks or under. And here's the good news. First and foremost, when it came to the number of churches who believe that they have 52 weeks or more of cash reserves, the number of pastors who answered affirmatively was 24%. 2016, it was 23%. And trust me, that I mean, I don't want to say that's not too difficult to do, but if your church, I mean, for simply, simply put, if your church has a budget of a million dollars a year or a half million dollars a year, whatever it is, multiply that by two, if you have that much in the bank, you're good. That means you can pay all your bills. If no one donated a dime to your congregation, there was not one tithe or offering for the entire year, you have cash reserves that can handle it. Okay. Now, here's where the numbers get even better. For those who had uh, cash reserves of seven weeks or less, in 2016, that number was 26%. In 2022, that number dropped to 20%. For pastors who had cash reserves of 16 weeks or less, that number was 50% in 2016, 44% in 2022. And the number of churches who said they have cash reserves from 16 to 51 weeks increased. It was 27% seven years ago. Today, it's 32%. So overall, a majority of pastors say they are in better financial shape today than they were before the um, uh, before the, the this all went down with the pandemic. That's good news. But may I point you and point us to the fact that the reality is that a lot of churches are in financial hurt. Here's the st the stat that jumped out at me. The fact that 24% of pastors, one out of every four churches basically, has enough cash reserves to live for a year is encouraging. But the fact that there are, how many churches now? Um, the seven week or less one. 26% of churches in 2016 said their cash reserves are seven weeks or less. Now it's 20. But that means one out of every four churches could go on for a year if they got no more donations. But one out of every five churches in America has less than two months of cash reserves. They are literally going hand to mouth. I don't know if that's a horrible thing, but it is a rather tenuous thing, isn't it? I encourage you to consider your tithe and your offering to your church. Do it prayerfully. Do it in the state of uh, the Lord loving and cheerful giver. We're not under the Old Testament guideline of a strict interpretation of the tithe, though I don't know of any Christian who is not donating at least 10% of their income to the church who has suffered financially. We'll put this article up at thebottomlineshow.com. 
uh, for more consideration for you and your family and your church. On the other side of this break, a brand new church plant launched on Easter Sunday here in the Irvine area, and Pastor Scott Huffman is the guy responsible for it. We'll talk with Pastor Scott about his new venture coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. Well, special guest joining me today here on The Bottom Line Show, Pastor Scott Huffman, who may be a familiar name and voice to uh, K-Bright listeners especially, a pastor of a brand new church plant here in the Irvine area, Lighthouse Church, uh, irvinelighthouse.org is the website. Pastor Scott Huffman, it's nice to meet you. Welcome to The Bottom Line Show today. Well, thank you. It's a privilege to be on the show, and uh, thank you so much for having me. Let's talk about your newest venture here, and then we can get back into a little bit of your uh, uh, your your history, uh, especially with us here at Cape Bright. Sure. Uh, talk about I mean, it's, it's an exciting time. Uh, there are a lot of churches that are going through a lot of transition. Some are making the decision uh, that maybe they need to pull back a little bit or refocus. You're launching a church right now in the you know the tail end of a pandemic and the midst of a recession with high <laughs> inflation, things like that. Perfect timing for starting a brand new church, right, yeah. Pastor Scott? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, well, God does many times unusual things in unusual times. Uh, the Lord put this on our heart uh, to go ahead and, and begin this new church plant. Uh, like you said, we've just come off the heels of a great epidemic. But uh, the Lord showed me at the beginning of the year that this would be the year of churches, and that God is calling people and pastors back to church, and uh, that's where he wants his, the body of Christ to be functioning. And this should be a great year, 2023 for the year of churches, praise God. So we decided to start our church here in Irvine. The Lord had put Irvine in my heart many years ago, and uh, here we are, something that had been in my heart as a vision, and uh, we began on April 9th on Easter Sunday, which was just a few days ago, and began our church, and it was wonderful, and uh, people came. We preached the Word of God. We worshiped, and what a joy and privilege it was. I'll bet. How exciting. Pastor Scott Huffman, the pastor of Lighthouse Church in Irvine, a brand new church plant, and joining us today here on The Bottom Line to talk about that. Now, Scott, I mentioned earlier you do have a history with KBRT. Talk about uh, what many of our listeners who might be let's say, I've heard that voice before. I recognize that name. Talk about your past with us here. Sure. Yeah, it goes back a few years, but uh, boy, that would have been probably maybe roughly uh, 10, 10, 15 years ago. I was on KBRT. I uh, had a regular time slot at about 9 o'clock on Sunday morning, preached a half hour, and uh, we just shared the Word of God, preached. At the time, we were our church had begun in Long Beach, California, mm-hmm. and uh, we got on KBRT, and we served there on the radio for at least two or three years and had a pretty faithful following of people listening and being encouraged uh, by the Word, and what a privilege it was. You know, it's interesting that there, there's kind of a, a difference. I can hear it in pastors who are doing multi-platform, you know, media in addition to doing what they're doing yeah. uh, in the pulpit. Talk about how the message obviously is going to be the same, but the delivery might change just a little bit to be more f- effective from one venue to the next. Yeah, sure. You know, it's kind of interesting. Uh, after our Long Beach venture, we actually moved down to Laguna Niguel, and I did an interview here on KBRT as well about uh, about 10 years ago. And um, we began, we moved the church to Laguna de Gale, and uh, there we uh, replanted the church. And then at the end of eight years, of course, the epidemic hit, and uh, we had to shut down the church, as many other churches had to. And so we actually went online to, with Facebook and Instagram and uh, began to reach a whole new audience overseas. Mm. Uh, we were reaching, and we still are, reaching thousands and thousands of people in places like Africa, India. Uh, Europe, uh, Israel, all around the world, Australia, 
And uh, we just found this ripe audience. And we've been doing that for the last about two, three years. And it's been very successful. And God has really blessed it, richly blessed it. And then we felt it was time. We went out. Now it's time to go in. And we felt it was time to uh, take up the church again in Southern California. And in particular, the, the city of Irvine. I love it. I love it. Great faithful message here today from Pastor Scott Huffman, the uh, founding pastor of the brand new Lighthouse Church in Irvine. We've got a link for irvinelighthouse.org up at thebottomlineshow.com. Uh, one of the things I, I, I appreciate about what you're doing with Lighthouse, Pastor Scott, is the fact that there are a lot of people who say, okay, when it comes to religion, it's just, I'm burned out on it. Even people who are really diehard right. in the faith are just saying there's a kind of a yeah. burn factor. Talk about why it, it's so important for you at the Lighthouse Expression now in Irvine to say, hey, look, we get it. I mean, if anybody understands that, that's us. Well, yeah, you know, Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And we found that true Christianity is a light burden. It's not a heavy burden. The Lord said his commandments are not burdensome. And religion, let's face it, can be a burnout. And uh, basically, religion is trying to uh, prove one's worthiness before God and being accepted uh, by God by your good works and efforts, human efforts. We find that that's uh, futile and uh, doesn't really profit uh, not to put anyone down for their, 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 their efforts. But really, it's about the Holy Spirit. It's about the Spirit of God working through the Word of God and God bringing the transformation in our lives as we submit ourselves unto the Lord and the work of the Spirit in our lives. Mm. Letting the Word do the work and just preaching it. And uh, I think John MacArthur says, we just unleash it. You know, we just let, just let yeah. it go and let it do its thing. Um, Pastor Scott Huffman, you've been in ministry for many, many years and a believer for uh, many years as well. But it seems like California has always been your focus. I mean, whether, you know, kind of being born and raised here and then moving up, uh, you know, throughout the, the, the different ranks of ministry. What have you seen that encourages you? What, what do you see that concerns you about ministering here in the, what I like to call the People's Republic of California? Well, if, if I could uh, diverge a little bit, um, I'm a local Southern cowboy. Um I grew up in the 60s and 70s. That kind of dates me, doesn't it? Hmm. Um, and I was a eyewitness to the Jesus movement, which we're seeing a lot of attention of that right now, yeah. uh, uh, coming back into the forefront. I'm sure you're aware of that. Um, so I, I was a first witness, first-hand witness to the Jesus movement. I came to the Lord on a balmy night in Palm Springs, California, age 14 in 1972, hmm. during the height of the Jesus movement. And uh, then I uh, received the Lord at age 14, and then I was called into ministry, but didn't become a pastor till I turned 40. I was kind of a Moses, kind of John, Johnny come lately. Yeah. Uh, but I saw the move of God, and I witnessed it, and I realized what the power of a revival really is. And I've been praying. I have a great interest in revivals. I've studied them for years. And I feel we are on the precipices of the greatest revival that will ever hit human history. I, I'm not... Um, you know, over-exaggerating here. This revival that I believe has just begun will be the greatest move of God that humanity will have ever witnessed, and mm. it'll have the greatest impact worldwide than ever before. You know, it's encouraging to hear you say that, Pastor Scott, because I know there are a lot of people who are looking at life with frustrated, uh, you know, vision and just saying, I, I want to believe, I want to be faithful, I want to be strong in my faith, but gosh, it just seems like, you know, like in the U.S. right now, we're really divided politically, um, you know, spiritually, it yeah. seems like the Christian influence doesn't mean as much as it used to. Um, 
but you're talking about a, you're giving us a message of hope and resilience. Talk about what that means to you spiritually. Yeah. yeah. You know, if I could quote a little bit real quick, uh, the prophet Habakkuk, that's a mouthful. Um, <laughs> you know, he was living in the last rows of the nation of Israel before it went into captivity to Babylon, and the people were living in sin and disobedient before God, and he was perplexed. He didn't understand. And God spoke a strong word to him, and he said, you're going to be utterly astounded or amazed what I'm going to do. And if I told you, you wouldn't even believe it. And he was speaking to the fact that Babylon under Nebuchadnezzar would come and take the Jews into captivity to Babylon. But I believe that verse applies today, that God is about ready to do something that we would never believe if he told it right in our ears, uh, that he's going to pour out his spirit in such an amazing way. And I believe that we're going to see signs and wonders and miracles, not that we're focusing in on that, but that will be a, a sign of the power of God moving, just as it did in the early church. And I see the early church uh, Pentecost and this latter day coming together in, a, in the final uh, outpouring of the latter rain of God's Spirit before the return of Christ. And we're going to see the miraculous once again, miracles and signs and wonders that will astound people that they wouldn't believe it unless they saw it as Habakkuk mm. says. And so Habakkuk uh, prays out to God, oh Lord, <laughs> listen to me. I'm afraid. What are you going to do? And the Lord says, I will revive that work once again. I will bring revival to you and your people. And uh, I believe that is the word for today. God is going to revive that work again and bring a fresh move of the Spirit like we've never seen before. He will revive churches, individuals, and he will bring, and I believe this, millions of people into the gospel, into the through the gospel, into the kingdom of God. Hmm. So encouraged to hear you say that. Pastor Scott Huffman is our guest today here on The Bottom Line. He's the pastor of Lighthouse Church in Irvine. Uh, no religion, just life. IrvineLighthouse.org is the website. Uh, pastor Scott, we've got a couple minutes left in our time together. Talk about sure. what our listeners can ex expect when they come to a worship service at your brand new church that you just launched on Easter Sunday. Well, we're excited. Um, it's a fantastic place, I believe, to feel comfortable and uh, just to come to receive from the Lord. I believe, as we saw in the Asbury, Asbury excuse me, revival, as God has begun to move, uh, I prophesied at the beginning of this year on Facebook that we would see pockets of revival, fires burning in our nation uh, this year and around the world, and we're beginning to see that. And in our church, we're praying for the burning of the, the fire of God and the presence of the Holy Spirit to manifest as we worship, as we receive His Word, and as we also pray for the sick. We're committed to praying for people that are sick in body. So if you're in need of physical healing, that is one part of the gospel sometimes that is missing. And we're committed to praying for people, but also preaching the Word of God and bringing people into the kingdom. Well, we've got a link for your website up at thebottomlineshow.com. Where, where are we going to locate you on Sunday morning? What service time? Where could we physically find your church? Great. Thank you, Roger. Yeah, we're, we're at 101 Alfonso. 101 Alfonso, Irvine, California, 92618. It's the Los Olivos Community Center, and we meet at 10 a.m. every Sunday. All right. Well, we've got that link up at thebottomlineshow.com. Uh, we can reach out to you online there and uh, and find out more about this exciting new church, a great opportunity for those who are just getting back into church, especially if you found yourself kind of yeah. grounded over the past couple of years because of COVID. Here's a church that understands that and uh, and is making the most of the opportunity to say, look, the days are evil, so we know the Lord's 
in return any moment. So let's 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 see some signs and wonders. Let's get together in fellowship. Let's act, let's, let's enjoy that uh, that good camaraderie together. Pastor Scott Hoffman of Lighthouse Church in Irvine, IrvineLighthouse.org. Thanks so much for being with us today here on the Bottom Line. Thank you very much. Blessings to you. Well, what a great conversation and what a fantastic new opportunity for people, especially in Irvine, to find a new house of worship. Uh, Pastor Scott Huffman is my guest today here on The Bottom Line, and we've been talking about IrvineLighthouse.org and the brand new church. You've got that link up at TheBottomLineShow.com. Some final thoughts in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 trillion invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years. After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account, Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. My thanks again to Pastor Scott Huffman for joining me today here on The Bottom Line to talk about the new church plant, Irvine Lighthouse, and uh, irvinelighthouse.org is the website. Um, we've got that linked up at thebottomlineshow.com. Um, you know, it's important for us to support the local church, and as more and more local churches are, they're kind of finding themselves in one of two uh, uh, one of two worlds, as it were. Uh, world number one is uh, 24% of pastors and congregations um, have the, uh, uh, the, the means to go on for a year, but 20% of congregations don't. Not only do they not have that, but they, uh, they're a few weeks away from going under. Uh, Lord, help these people to continue to walk by faith, but pl- pray that you would bring the harvest from the congregation as well to keep the doors open. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll take a quick break. More good news, especially a story involving Charles Stanley. His legacy lives on through his grandson. We'll tell you how coming up next as the bottom line continues. Don't believe your insurance company is looking out for you. They're not. They want you to call them after you're in an accident, but you shouldn't handle that alone. That's where Stephanie Cover of Cover Law shines. With 20 years of insurance industry experience, she knows all the angles and will fight for your rights. Insurance companies pretend to be your partner, but in reality, their primary goal is to pay you as little as possible. When you work with Cover Law, Stephanie becomes your negotiator, and the insurance companies must talk to her, not you. You need to rest and heal. Stephanie is different from other attorneys. She's fully invested in your legal, medical, financial, emotional, and spiritual needs. After an accident, you don't want to deal with insurance adjusters who want to minimize your payout. So don't wait. Contact Cape Wright's personal injury attorney today at capewrightradio.com slash coverlaw. You won't pay a dime to talk to someone who truly cares about your healing. 
Good news, good news, good news. Welcome to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, or welcome back to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Uh, either way, you slice it. I mean, we do the program for 90 minutes each and every weekday, and uh, then there's a rebroadcast of the program that airs on the weekends as well. We podcast not only at... Um, not only do we podcast at uh, um, our Apple and... Uh, LinkedIn and Spotify and all the other places uh, where we do Stitcher, I think another one. But also um, we have myhopenow.com. And uh, the My Hope Now site is just so much fun because you get a chance to see the people that we're talking with. And in most occasions, uh, coming up in a week or so, um, Emilio Estevez is going to join me here on the program. Yeah, you know, Emilio from The Breakfast Club and The Mighty Ducks and that type of stuff. He made kind of a documentary that turned into a full-scale, wide-release film back in 2010 called The Way. And it's about a guy who journeys on the Camino de Santiago, which is a 500-mile stretch from uh, France, the Pyrenees, to um, Spain, to the church where the body, the bones, if you will, of James the Apostle are buried. And it stars his dad, Martin Sheen, and it's a just a powerful film. I had a chance to catch up with Emilio last week, and we recorded that for My Hope Now, and we'll be airing it on a movie Monday coming soon and giving you a chance to get tickets to see this movie. It's really remarkable, but that whole legacy issue, you know, um, is so important because the legacy of father and son, father and son and grandson, mother, daughter, you know, that whole bit. I, I realize there are no grandchildren in heaven. Everybody is God's child. And uh, and those of us who have played the role of parent and grandparent in this life, you know, we're all going to be brothers and sisters in Christ in heaven. It used to drive my daughter Emily nuts when we would talk like that when she was younger. She goes, I don't want you to be my brother in Christ in heaven. I want you to be my dad, you know, which was very sweet. Um, but, you know, it's interesting. In light of anytime someone passes away uh, in the faith, it, you begin to find out how titanic their ministry was. And I'll tell you what, when Charles Stanley, uh, the, the announcement of his death happened last week, man, I, the outpouring, I mean, from all, my social media pages were flooded with people who were posting their tributes. Um, I, uh, we went here on the Bottom Line show last Tuesday when it was announced and just said, hey, look, if we've got some Charles Stanley books and calendars and stuff like that, if you want to you know, share a memory with them, of him or whatever and 20 people called like in 15 minutes it was just it was just such an outpouring of support it was really so dramatic but you know i'll tell you what um the one place where i always love seeing the stories uh and, and the fond memories are not always the hey my grandpa was my here okay i should say andy garrett was on with us a couple weeks ago and uh, dr andy garrett is a clinical psychiatrist and and psychologist and has this great resilience training that bottom line show listeners just went for and i will be having follow-up with andy soon andy is one of 57 grandchildren of carl karcher you know who started carl's jr and uh with carl's and hardy's merged you know years later and he talks about how close he was with his grandpa he goes hey he was going to be best man at my wedding you know if he if he had lived long enough he would have been there I mean, that's how much I, I value his friendship and his influence. And yet I was one of 57 grandchildren, you know. So for him to have the ministry he did, but then also to have 12 children and their paths were not always straight, you know, because life happens. 
But then to have that many grandchildren and for each of the grandkids to say, yeah, I feel like my grandpa was my best friend. That's amazing. And I was drawn to this story the Christian Post ran about one of the grandsons of Charles Stanley. Now, Charles Stanley and his wife uh, had two children, uh, a daughter, Rebecca, uh, Becky Stanley, and um, and then his uncle, or then the Charles's son, is uh, Andy Stanley, who I believe his name is Charles Andrew Stanley. So Matt Broderson fits into this mix because uh, his mom, Becky Stanley Broderson, I was married to Matt's dad, and Matt didn't have an easy path. I don't know that it was necessarily because his grandfather was Charles Stanley. Um, I think, you know, his mom, whereas Andy Stanley, his uncle, you know, started a church and, uh, you know, looked like he was going to take over at First Baptist, but then started his own ministry and even had his father in the pulpit one the week it was announced that Andy was leaving First Baptist and going to go start his own ministry, his own father, Charles Stanley, made an announcement in the pulpit saying, Andy's going to start this new ministry and I fully support him, which was pretty cool of a pastor of a 15,000-member congregation to do, to say, hey, look, the guy who could have been your heir apparent is going to go do his own thing. And, you know, the way Andy Stanley's handled his stuff versus the way Charles Stanley did... I'm not sure we're going to see the same kind of eulogy for Andy at age 90 that we did for Charles, to be perfectly honest with you. But Matt Broderson, uh, his mom, Becky Stanley Broderson, she stayed out of the spotlight, became a realtor. Just kind of, um, you know, uh, she just didn't want to have to, you know, be a part of that deal. So her son, Matt, um, wound up in a tough spot. His grandmother, Anna Stanley, uh, had left him some money, and um, uh, she passed away in 2014. And so Matt said a couple years ago, I, I was living in L.A., I was strung out on drugs and alcohol, I had a major depression, I basically had been given this inheritance money, and uh, I blew it all. It said I, I was suicidal, I called my mom. I just said, Mom, I'm not doing well. I failed. And I was literally thinking about killing myself. Now, this is where the story gets interesting. First and foremost, may I just say, I'll put in a little good word here for Dennis Wilson at Wilson Financial. When you are considering leaving money to an heir who is maybe a grandchild or a child, uh, we, we, I hear this story a lot from Dennis about how people come to him and say, look, I have a daughter who's an alcoholic. I have a son who's on drugs. I don't want to leave them a lot of money because I'm afraid they'll just blow it all. And Dennis helps them to kind of create the estate in such a way to where if they did benefit, it would be because they'd made some changes in life. Or otherwise, you just leave all the money to in touch or you leave all the money through the Bible. You, you could do that. But statistically, for those who inherit a lump sum, Without a strategy, without a place like a Wilson Financial to go to, 90% of the people who receive a lump sum will spend it all in less than a year, and they'll basically burn through it. You know, they'll do the whole, I took a big vacation, I bought a powerboat, you know, whatever, instead of saying, hey, I want that money to be earmarked for certain things. If you have a question about your estate, and you're looking for a way to be a good steward of the money uh, that God has entrusted to you that you want to entrust to future generations, Scripture says it is biblical for a man to leave an inheritance for his children. doesn't say how much, but it says leave him something. Don't leave him dead. Um, call Dennis Wilson at Wilson Financial at 800-696-9970. 800-696-9970. 
800-696-9970, and say, Dennis, look, here's the deal. I have a grandson, and I want to leave him something, but he's like Matt Broderson, you know, strung out on drugs and alcohol. I don't want him to burn through it. What do I do? And Dennis and his team will give you that advice that you need. So here's Matt Broderson. His grandpa is Charles Stanley. His mom is Charles's daughter, Becky. He inherited some money, uh, ostensibly from his grandmother, Anna Stanley, who had passed away. He went to L.A. and took all that money and blew through it, almost like the prodigal son. He's calling his mom, and he says, Mom, I, I blew it. I'm not doing well. He said, you know, I was suicidal. I was in such bad depression. In the middle of that depression, he gets a phone call, and guess who it was? It was his grandpa. Um, Charles Stanley, the man that everybody in the family called Gips, G-I-P-S. Now, the reason they called him Gips, Matt's older brother basically had a hard time with the name that Charles gave for himself. Charles Stanley wanted to be called Gramps. That's so the story goes. And Matt's older brother, when he tried to say Gramps, it came out Gips. And so Gips it is. So everybody, all of his grandchildren knew Charles Stanley as Gips. I think that's a great story. I would love to have that story. Anyway, so here is Matt's, Matt Broderson, and he gets a call from Gips. Matt says, you know, my grandfather was genuine. He was authentic. Every conversation I ever had with him, every phone call, it was like a little snippet of one of his sermons. But it wasn't because he was preaching at me. It's because that's who he was. He was really the real deal. He was always read the Bible, always meditating at God's word, but he always stayed up on current news and thought about ways that he could uh, tie it into the Bible. Matt Broderson said when he was a kid, he wanted to be a pastor just like his grandfather and like his uncle. He goes, I went on the mission trips. I loved Jesus. I loved God. I loved hanging out at church. But he went to Southwest Bible College and Seminary in Texas, and then he started going to parties at TCU, and next thing you know, his parents got divorced, and after that, well, he's 29 years old and considering suicide. So he gets a phone call from Charles Stanley, and here's how the call went. Matt says, Gips said, I don't want to talk to you very long on the phone. I just want to ask you one question. Why don't you give Jesus another try? He said, you know what? I don't remember what happened after that. All I knew is I just started crying and I cried and I cried and I realized I didn't want to die. And I took that question to heart. And now Matt Broderson is eulogizing his grandfather by saying he finally joined a group. He said it's been kind of a rocky road, but he's sober today. He's part of the Highland Park Methodist Church in his new hometown. And he credits his grandfather, Charles Gipps Stanley, with saving his life. What an encouraging story, and what a great message to come out of his mess. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here on this Good News Friday, and as we continue, more good news. This time it's Pastor Samuel Rodriguez who's going to join me for a study of John chapter 9 and how your mess can become God's miracle. The process is temporary, but the promise is permanent. That's the title of his brand new book. We're going to get into this conversation and give away a copy or two of this book in just a moment as the bottom line continues. 
Well, special guest joining me today here on The Bottom Line Show, Pastor Samuel Rodriguez is a speaker, pastor, as I mentioned, best-selling author, movie producer, and civil rights activist. He is one of the, uh, uh, Time Magazine has nominated him to be one of the most 100 most influential people in the world. He is the pastor at New Seasons Church in Sacramento, and he has a brand new book out that just came out and has the best title I've seen for a book in quite some time, because how many times do you look to God for a miracle and all you see around you are obstacles and debris and just kind of a mess. The book is called Your Mess, God's Miracle. The process is temporary, but the promise is permanent. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Pastor Samuel Rodriguez, welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. My friend, thank you for having me. Honored to be with you again. Well, we're honored to have you here, especially when you're talking about such a vital topic that really gets to the heart of where a lot of us are right now. I mean, I've heard the euphemism before, you can't have a message without a mess. But what happens when you're staring face forward at something like this and you're saying, God, I need a miracle. How does that work? I mean, a lot of times we think it's click your heels three times and just say there's no one like God and he's going to do it. But there's more to it than that, isn't there? There's a process. And as I referenced and you referenced from the book cover, the process is temporary, but the promise is permanent. I took what took place in John chapter nine, this very interesting story with a very unorthodox, facilitative modus operandi to execute a miracle. Not highly recommended, by the way. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> to any preachers or speakers out there, for liability purposes, not yeah. recommended. Right. Jesus spits about that. Jesus, mm. holy spittle. Jesus spits. He takes his saliva, combines it with dirt, makes a mud ball, and places it upon the eyes of a man who was born blind. There are a couple of elements here, first of all. He spits. In his spittle, we know for certain, was his DNA. He literally took his DNA. That's not a metaphor now. He literally took his DNA. He combined it with dirt. Now, we know from Genesis 2-7 that God made man out of dirt. So he went to the original blueprint, the original design. He combines his DNA with the original design, places it on the man's eyes, and that we could use as a biblically substantiated metaphor. And this man who was born blind, for the first time, opens up his eyes and he sees. Hmm. There was a mess. Behind the mess, there was a miracle. I wrote this book for anyone who has ever had a messy circumstance in their life. Mm -hmm. In your family, your home, your marriage, your calling, your generation, your finances, your health. Even America's mess right now. Can we come in agreement by faith through Christ and believe that there is a miracle behind the mess? And the answer is yes. Pastor Sammy Rodriguez is with me today here on The Bottom Line. The book, Your Mess, God's Miracle, is up at thebottomlineshow.com. And this has to be a first, first time we've ever done uh, any kind of conversation about here's mud in your eye. I mean, but it's brilliant. I mean, you think about this because you start with the, 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 the whole issue here. And oftentimes when we're looking at a mess that we're in and we're looking at the miracle that we're hoping for, uh, the first step is it's, it's so obvious, the idea that we have to realize the man born blind needed to see. He had to recognize he was blind first before there was going to be any sort of solution here. Talk about why we we miss that. We just got to look around and we're so busy spiking the ball in the end zone that we forget what the line of scrimmage is when we start. Completely correct. And this man, by the way, did not receive a sight that he once had. This is very different. The other miracles of Jesus, Jesus was fully engaged in the vast majority of his miracles, in a very restorative element of his nature. Mm -hmm. For example, the woman in the issue of blood, he restored her health. 
with Lazarus, he literally restored his life. Right. Uh, with the other blind man in Mark, he restored his sight. With this man, Jesus gave him something he never had before. It is a functional ontological extension of the divine nature of providence. The ability, the inclination for God to give you something you never had before. Second Corinthians 5.17. When you are in Christ Jesus, you are a new creation. Yeah. Isaiah chapter 43, behold, I do a new thing. So it is God's commitment. Sometimes we get so focused on renovating the past. Even as Americans, we really want to go back to the good old days. Right. You know, can, can we go back to the past? And God is not interested in renovating your past. He's interested in <laughs> releasing a glorious future. So I love how this story speaks to our current reality and, and infuses us with hope for even our current political, social, even personal uh, landscape. Reverend Samuel Rodriguez is my guest today here on The Bottom Line, and his book is called Your Mess, God's Miracle. The process is temporary, but the promise is permanent. The book is just now out, and we've got it up at thebottomlineshow.com. One of the things that we don't think about when, when these miracles happen is oftentimes we'll focus so much on the miracle. Here was a blind man, his sight has been restored, praise God. That's the end of it. But you don't realize there's so many things that are actually happening here. And the fact that one of the things that we can oftentimes you talk about, you know, the people who want to go back to the good old days and the way things were like in America or in my church or, you know, just in the culture on the whole. We, sometimes we when we do get this new site, when we do get the miracle, it helps us to see not only what we wanted to see, but also some of the things that we hadn't been seeing previously. Talk about that, why that fresh perspective is so important in the miracle process. That fresh perspective is everything, to see what we've never seen before. I love the promise in 1 Corinthians 2.9, what your eye has yet to see, or your ear has yet to hear, your mind has yet to imagine, is, is literally what God has in store for you because you love Him. Jeremiah 33.3 doubles down on that in the Old Testament. It's the reality of a new perspective, a fresh lens, for us to see things from a different worldview. And that's what a, a relationship with Jesus actually does for each and every one of us. It opens up our eyes. We, we're all blinded by sin, blinded by shortcomings, by fear, angst, trepidation, depression, anxiety, whatever it may be. A personal relationship with Jesus will open up your eyes to see what you've never seen before in your life, in your family, in your community, in your generation, even in your nation. But it requires us doing what this man did. You have to give God access to your dirt in order for God to give you access to your destiny. And, mm. and that, that's, that's critical. You have to give him access to your dirt. In return, he will give you access to your destiny. But, well, I love this story. I actually illustrate this without using human spittle, of course. But I, I, I do major conferences, just spoke at Gateway in Dallas, and illustrated this. The fascinating element is that after Jesus spreads the mud, on a, this is a double-blind study, by the way. Sorry, I had a different, I'm a comedian. So uh, it's a double-blind study. The man's more blind. Jesus makes him even a bit more blind and blinds him even more. And then Jesus does not wash him himself. Jesus says, now go wash yourself. Mm. Like, who does that? Right. By the way, I've given you everything you need for your miracle. Now, now put some skin in the game. Jesus did everything for us on the cross and through his resurrection. All we need to do is accept him with a sincere heart and just live out that life that's found in him, exclusively in him. But this idea of perpetual entitlement that completely saturates our culture in this generation, where we want everything, 
without having to accept Christ, without having to embrace biblical truth. It's just, of course, it's counterintuitive. I love this message. There are things that you need to do to do to learn to do by yourself. Pray for yourself. Worship even when you're wounded. Praise even when you're broken. Believe God even when things are, are not perfectly aligned and every I is not dotted, every T is not crossed in your life. Are you willing to walk with your mess and go to the pool, go to the place of prayer and faith and hope and just confide in the finished work of Christ, Hebrews 10, 23. I rest in the certainty that Jesus is faithful to fulfill what he promised. You know, it's amazing, uh, talking with Pastor, Pastor Samuel Rodriguez today here on The Bottom Line about his book, Your Mess, God's Miracle, which is up at thebottomlineshow.com. You have a chapter in the book about uh, opening your eyes to God's original design, and I'm thinking to myself, well, wait a minute. I mean, that original design that he has for us, when you talk about how Jesus completed the work on the cross, with Jesus basically healed this guy but said you go wash when jesus raised lazarus from the dead and told everybody get those bandages off him clean him up man he's been in there for four days he stinks i mean the idea that the work has been done but there's still some things that we need to do and do you get the sense pastor rodriguez that we're missing sometimes out on the miracles simply because we're sitting there waiting for god to do everything when god's done everything he needs to do Unfortunately, my, my wife is, uh, has a strong inclination calling uh, to purchase, meaning uh, uh. she just loves to shop. <laughs> so I, I kid you not, every day I pass by the entrance of my house, looking through the outside doors, looking for an Amazon package to arrive. <laughs> and, and, and I go, honey, but it's, there's, there has to be like, you know, this we could pick up at CVS. Yeah, but it's easier. But okay, I get that. All right, wonderful. Mm-hmm. So, but that package is outside my door. It's been paid for, delivered. It's literally outside my door. If Sam or Eva do not open up that front door and pick up that package, that package will stay in front of my door. Jesus paid the price completely in full. He delivered it, completely delivered it via the conduit of his word, the, 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 the emergence of the church, the working of the Holy Spirit. All we need to do is, in more ways than one, even spiritually speaking, open up that door, bring mm. in the package. But it's been paid in full. It's the same thing, exactly what you referenced. Lazarus, hey, I resurrected him. You all need to just loosen him and let him go. Remove the old grave clothes. There are things that we need to do not to pay for it, but to open it. And there are so many miracles waiting for you and I just to basically open them. In other words, we may not be waiting for a miracle. There may be a miracle waiting for us. Hmm. Boy, when you put it that way, <laughs> I'll be looking for more of those miracles for sure. Reverend Samuel Rodriguez, my guest today here on The Bottom Line, your best God's miracle the process is temporary, but the promise is permanent. It's a brand new book from Pastor Rodriguez. It's up at thebottomlineshow.com. More of this conversation in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. One of the greatest gifts that we can give to an expectant mother is the gift of the first picture she'll ever have of her son or daughter in the womb. That comes through an ultrasound, and our friends at Preborn have an opportunity for us to make more of these ultrasounds a reality. Every time you give a donation of $28 to Preborn, that means one more ultrasound can take place. But how about giving enough money for an ultrasound machine? The cost is $15,000. It's a sizable investment. But every ultrasound machine can do 250 ultrasounds per year and lasts at least 10 years. Now take that cost $15,000 and divide that by 2,500. 
Okay, now you begin to see how the cost per ultrasound goes down even more once we have more ultrasound machines to donate into preborn clinics. Make a donation right now to preborn. It's completely tax deductible, and every penny, every dollar you donate right now is going to the purchase of an ultrasound machine. 833-850-BABY is the number to call, 833-850-2229, or go to kbrightradio.com. That's K-B-R-I-T-E radio.com. Click on the banner for Preborn and make your best donation right now. $25, $50, $100, it all counts towards saving babies' lives. kbrightradio.com, hit the Preborn banner right now. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Pastor Samuel Rodriguez is my guest today here on the program. Good News Friday edition of the broadcast. And we're having a conversation about his brand new book called Your Mess, God's Miracle. The process is temporary, but the promise is permanent. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com and a Good News Friday giveaway of this book as well. 800-227-5278. is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Again, the brand new book by Reverend Samuel Rodriguez based on the the story of the man born blind and Jesus literally spitting on the ground and putting mud in his eye and then saying, go wash. Uh, Your Mess, God's Miracle is the book. The process is temporary, but the promise is permanent. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. You know, in thinking about this during our conversation here today, thinking about the uh, earlier uh, part of the half hour where I shared with you the story about Matt Broderson, who is the uh, grandson of Charles Stanley, and how Gips, as he used to call him, uh, basically led him back to faith by asking him one question. Here's a 29-year-old kid who had inherited some money. He had moved from the Midwest to the West Coast. His party lifestyle, which started at a Christian university, by the way, uh, was getting the best of him, and he'd blown through his inheritance, not unlike the prodigal son. He called his mom and said, Mom, I'm just, I blew it. I made such a huge mess of my life. What do I do? And his mom basically relayed that message to his grandfather. His grandfather called and said, look, I don't want to spend a lot of time on the phone with you. I just want to ask you one question. Why don't you give Jesus another try? You know, we don't have to have the perfect lecture. We don't have to have the perfect life story. All we need to have is the ability to hear what God is asking us and telling us to share with those who need to hear it. And in that moment, that one question saved Matt Broderson's life. Uh, We've got a link for Samuel Rodriguez's book, uh, Your Mess, God's Miracle, up at thebottomlineshow.com. We'll have part two of this conversation on the other side of this break for those who remain on the network with us. For those who are bidding us adieu, in case our KCBC audience, Rabbi Schneider, Discovering the Jewish Jesus, is coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. Pastor Samuel Rodriguez is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh, pastor, speaker, best-selling author. Uh, Time Magazine has named him one of the most 100 influential people in the world. Uh, he lives in the Sacramento area, leads New Season Church. How long have you been pastoring there now, uh, Pastor Samuel? 13 years. Lucky wow. 13. Oh, nice. That's so. It, it's wonderful and encouraging to hear uh, that that ministry is thriving the way it is. The brand new book, Your Mess, God's Miracle, is up at thebottomlineshow.com. We're talking about John chapter 9, the, uh, uh, the, the, the mud in your eye, the spittle on the ground, you know, very unorthodox way that Jesus healed a blind man. But in this whole scenario, we are literally seeing, uh, literally and figuratively, how we can miss miracles if we have that kind of spiritual blindness that won't let us uh, see it. 
one of the things that you talked about early on uh, in our conversation, I want to kind of circle back around to, and that's a, the, the, the washing factor. Uh, the fact that Jesus said, you know, here's, here's the mud. It's basically taking your blind eyes and making it even worse because there's more mud in your eyes. And then he says, now take this guy and go, go wash up. Talk about what the, the, that cleaning up, that washing up process means in this whole uh, journey of uh, identifying that the miracle is permanent, even though the process is temporary. Yeah, that washing process, again, Jesus paid the price, and through the vicarious atoning finished work of Christ, we, we have been redeemed. We have to receive that redemption indeed. But that washing process is critical, and, and it's, it's, there's an element, theologically speaking, that must be preached elevated, if not amplified, for such a time as this. It's this notion, more than a notion, more than a virtue, a truth of holiness, of righteousness, of purity, of sanctification— not just instantaneous, theologically speaking, when you're born again, but the progressive, the one where every single day you lose a bit more of yourself and you see more of Jesus in you, with you, for you, and through you, Galatians 2.20. Wash yourself. It's, it's powerful. Every single day, take up your cross and follow me daily. There are things in Scripture that, that we are admonished to do on a daily basis. Take up that cross. Pick up that crucified version of yourself. Renew your mind daily. Put on the armor of God daily. It's, it's what we have the ability to do through him and for him. But go ahead. Jesus, I love it. I've given you everything you need, sir, to see your miracle now. Now go wash yourself. Take a couple of steps. Go. Do it. And that's a clarion call wrapped as an exhortation, if not an admonition, for you and I every single day. Pastor Samuel Rodriguez is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. Your Mess, God's Miracle is the brand new book, and it's up at thebottomlineshow.com. Once we do have the opportunity to literally have the spiritual blindness removed and we can experience the miracle that God has given us, Pastor Samuel, talk about where our hearts need to be. You mentioned earlier the idea of uh, uh, worshiping even when you don't necessarily feel like it. I was thinking about the an article I read recently with Pastor Andrew Brunson, who was uh, in prison for many years simply because of his faith. And he said, there got to be a point where I felt like I didn't know if my prayers were being answered. So I made myself worship. I made myself sing. I made myself you know, offer uh, just words of praise to God. He said, I even made myself dance, which is embarrassing. But uh, you know, here I am in my prison cell dancing before the Lord. Talk about why worshiping Jesus at the end of the miracle or at that part of the process is so essential for us to, I don't know, to kind of put a, a stamp on it that says, yes, I get it, I understand it, and I'm acknowledging that Jesus did this. Visualize for a moment a blind man in Jerusalem, a blind man who everyone recognizes blind, with mud in his eyes, walking towards a pool. What would others say? Hmm. What would others be thinking? A broken praise is still a praise. A, wound, a wounded worshiper is still a worshiper. A leader who is bleeding is still a leader, which means the circumstance is not the finest. Audacious faith is the kind of faith that says, I know I'm walking with a mess, but there's a miracle behind that mess. And a matter of fact, it may look like a mess superficially to those that don't know what's going on, what God is doing in me, with me, for me, and through me. But it's, it's actually a miracle with mud on it. I'm no longer even going to call it a mess. I'm going to call it a miracle with mud on it. And all I need to do is reach a place in obedience, in faith, in trust, in hope in Christ, where I'm able to wash myself 
fully see what God has in store for me. And that mess becomes a miracle. When we talk about the the process being temporary, but the promise being permanent of experiencing a miracle in the middle of a mess, one of the things you write about in your book, Your Mess, God's Miracle, is the fact that once you do have this vision, once the miracle has been received, it's not old you getting a miracle, it's new you, because you begin to see your identity in Christ more clearly. Talk about what you mean by that. It's your new identity. It's not the old you. It is definitely the new you. From Isaiah chapter 43, repeated again in Philippians, and, and elevated in Second Corinthians chapter 5, is doing away with the old you. Ephesians chapter 4 is explicit there. Do away with the old version of yourself. Put on the new version of yourself that's found exclusively in Christ Jesus. I love the words of the Apostle Paul. Yeah, it's the new you. Uh, the old you was blind. And I love the transfer of DNA. Hey, you know, it, with your eyes, Mr. Blind Man, you can't see. With my eyes, you will see my glory. With, with your old, the old you is a perpetual victim. The new you is more than a conqueror. The old you walked with a well-defined trauma. The new you carries a testimony. So it's the new man. It's the new you that will walk with that miracle going forward. And then that miracle becomes a great vociferously well-elevated, articulated, persuasive testimony. They looked at the blind man and said, wait a minute, aren't you? How, who did, what did you? And he said, listen, you're asking me too many questions. <laughs> I, I, I could respond just one simple way. And here it is, guys. Here it is. I was blind. But now I see. Amen. Like, drop the mic. Drop the mic. There it is. We're done. Conversation is closed. Brilliant. I love that. Pastor Samuel Rodriguez is my guest. The book is Your Mess, God's Miracle. The process is temporary. The promise is permanent. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. I have to admit, by the time I got to the last chapter of the book, uh, Pastor Rodriguez, I was a little embarrassed because of the fact that I do this. And I think we all do this, too. We're looking for God, not to bail us out of a jam, but we're looking for a miracle in the middle of a mess. And then we look around us and we can see, okay, I can see everything up to this point. And then there's the point of view that changes because now you look at the eternal significance of this, what this means for the future. Take the last 90 seconds of our time together and talk about why it's, especially in the cultural times that we're living in right now, where it seems like there's more pressure against Christians for being Christian, that we have to have our focus on eternity, not as a distraction from the world, but our ultimate destiny. Absolutely. Subjective bias. We suffer from myopia. And all we do is see things right in front of us, but we're not looking long-term. We're not looking all the way. That, that sort of beyond me, beyond the now, beyond this chapter, beyond this generation, what is in store for us? And we do want to become societal architects and cultural reformers, but only with the lens and way beyond this very moment, there is an eternity in the hands of Christ. There is a kingdom beyond this kingdom. Beyond our current melees and reality, there is a hope that cannot and will not be denied. Hold on to that hope for you and your children and your children's children. And when you hold on to that hope, that mess becomes a miracle. Mm. Pastor Samuel Rodriguez, your mess, God's miracle, taken right out of John chapter 9. The process is temporary. The promise is permanent. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Uh, Sammy, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for the great work on the book. Thanks for being with us here on The Bottom Line Show. Thank you for having me. Many blessings. 
Always a great conversation with Pastor Sammy Rodriguez, and uh, today's was no exception. I can understand why this book is so popular, because it's really striking a nerve with so many people. Your mess, God's miracle, the process is temporary, the promise is permanent. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com, and we do have a copy of the book to give away here on this Good News Friday, 800-227-5278, is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Again, uh, the one copy of this book is up for grabs, but earlier I was mentioning something. I want to throw this in here. Um, For those of you who are familiar with the work of Dennis Wilson and Wilson Financial Services, uh, I was talking earlier about the Matt Broderson story. Matt was one of the grandsons of Charles Stanley. Uh, He had inherited some money after developing a drinking problem while going to Christian college. He wanted, he hung out with his grandfather and his uncle. He'd been on the mission trips. He'd done all the right things and checked off the right boxes, was going to a Christian college in the Dallas area. But TCU had good parties, apparently, and while he was a student at the one school, he started partying with the people at TCU and became an alcoholic. Uh, when his, uh, uh, his grandmother passed away, he inherited some money, moved to L.A., and blew all that money, and then called his mom one day distraught and said, I, I made a mess of my life. I don't think this is going to work, and um, he was suicidal. Next thing you know, his grandfather calls and Charles Stanley asks him the question, why don't you give Jesus another try? And next thing you know, it saved Matt Broderson's life. He got into a 12-step program. He's part of a thriving church now and, and walking with the Lord. He said it hasn't been easy, but he's getting it done. But here's the point I make about this. How many young people wind up with an inheritance of some sort? Here's $100,000. Here's $200,000 that you inherited from your grandparents or whoever it is. And they wind up blowing it all. Wouldn't you love to be able to say, I want to leave you an inheritance, but I don't want to put this loaded you know, weapon in your hands, basically, with the fear that you might not do it the right way and use it the right way. It's okay to structure it in certain ways. 90% of people who get a lump sum inheritance wind up blowing it on something they don't want to within a year. When you work with Wilson Financial Advisors, they will help you to not only set up investments the way that will benefit your family for years to come, but also will lower your tax imprint, if not eliminate it, and give you the opportunity to say, I want to make sure that what I'm passing on to my relatives actually gets to them and is used for what I hope it will be used for. I encourage you to call Dennis at 800-696-9970. Keep Matt Broderson, Charles Stanley's grandson, in mind. Here's a guy who grew up in a home where there was financial success, and when he received an inheritance in his 20s, he blew it all and almost killed himself. You can prevent that from happening by using the strategies that you'll learn with Dennis Wilson and Wilson Financial. 800-696-9970. 800-696-9970. 800-696-9970 is the number to get you through to Dennis Wilson at Wilson Financial Services. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. And as we continue, some good news coming out of NASA. The first crew to sail to the moon in over 50 years has been announced. And there's a local connection and a faith connection all wrapped up into one. Let's take a look at that on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 trillion invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. 
Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years? After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Well, welcome back to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. My thanks again to Reverend Samuel Rodriguez for a great conversation about his new book, Your Mess, God's Miracle, The process is temporary. The promise is permanent. It's a rather invigorating look at John chapter 9 and the story of the man born blind and Jesus spitting on the ground, putting mud in the man's eyes and saying, go walk or go wash rather. And we're giving away a copy today here at 800-227-5278. is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Uh, we're also taking your calls as we were talking earlier in this Good News Friday segment about uh, uh, the, the uh, Matt Broderson, who is the uh, grandson, one of the many grandchildren of Charles Stanley, and uh, Matt sharing his story about what it was like to be someone who grew up in the shadow of his grandfather and his uncle, Andy Stanley, who uh, uh, Andy's younger sister, Rebecca, Becky Stanley, uh, was the, uh, is, is Matt's mom. And how this guy went on mission trips and did Bible studies with his grandpa and his uncle and said, that's what I want. Went off to Bible college in Texas, but then also discovered that the Texas Christian University campus had quite the party life and it became a drugs and alcohol guy and literally was on the verge of ending his life. He reached out to his mom and he said, I've, I've made such a mess of things. He was 29 years old at the time. He had inherited some money from a relative, ostensibly it might have been his grandmother, uh, Anna Stanley, who'd passed away back in 2014. And he said he really didn't know where else to turn. And so it was in that moment that he heard from his grandfather. And his grandfather, Charles Stanley, said, look, Matt, I just, I'm, I, don't, I don't have a lot of time to talk to you right now and I don't wanna confuse you or you know, have you weighed down with a lot of different thoughts. I just want you to consider this. I want you to ask you the, I want to ask you the question, would you consider Jesus Christ again? And he said, I just started crying. I just, I, I didn't know what else to say. I just, I cried and cried and cried. And eventually uh, he rededicated his life to the Lord. He went to rehab, he got clean and sober and is now part of a church community and just is thriving. And uh, he's, he's thrilled to be in that situation and he credits his grandfather with saving his life. And that legacy you know, getting to the point where you can't see things clearly or straight and needing someone to give you that kind of wisdom that can help you see things clearly and straight. It's a great lesson for us as grandparents when our grandkids are facing that situation, that kind of situation where you don't realize, you know, whether you're up or down, (laughs) where you don't know what's going on in your life, whether or not it's right or of God's will. And sometimes, you know, that big long lecture that here's what I would do, here's 15 steps to you know, get your life back on track. But it really boils down to where is Jesus? You know, who is Jesus to you? 
And uh, when Charles Stanley reframed that question, it reminded me of something I was reading from Chad Bird. Um, I quote Chad a lot. Uh, he's a great apologist and theologian. He um, always has a way of just kind of uh, pointing us in the right direction with regard to faith and regard to the nature of our relationship with God. And if anybody understands what it's like to have that uh, relationship, that kind of, uh, uh, well, what's the name that I'm looking for? Anyone understands what it's like to not be in a situation where you're, uh, you, you figure you got it all figured out. Chad's that guy. You know, he, um, one of the things I love about his writings is that he um, will, he'll just kind of boil it down to brass tacks. You know, what what's really important, what really isn't important, and how do we, uh, how do we, you know, deal with this? I mean, for example, you know, <laughs> He, he posted this on the 1517 site the other day where he was talking about um, Isaac and using Isaac as an example. He says, remember, uh, to be a disciple of Jesus is not to have everything figured out. Uh, often it's to feel like old blind Isaac doing what he could to pass blessings on to others, blissfully unaware that the Lord was using us in ways that we didn't even realize to continue to writing the story of his kingdom spread in the world. The idea that uh, you know, the Jacob and Esau situation where uh, he wound up giving the wrong blessing to the wrong person. You know, that's that's something to uh, to think about. Uh, it's the same way, you know, with the, those on the road to Emmaus. But, you know, it's very interesting because, uh, and Chad writes, look, take about two sinners hiding in Eden and God asks, where are you? Two sinners heading on the road to Emmaus and God asks, what are you discussing? And isn't it interesting that God would take in both of these cases the, uh, the, 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 these two sets of pairs of people and basically asks them a question about where they are. It's interesting how God uses questions in our lives, isn't it? I mean, how many times do you see this with Jesus healing someone? Do you want to be well? You know, what, what do you want from me? God seeking us and then asking us a question about who we are and who we believe he is and what he can do for us, knowing that there's nothing we can do. And yet here's the thing, it's him seeking us with a gift that only he can give and then asking us, what do you want to do with it? Isn't that amazing? I mean, it's just, it's awe-inspiring to me to think about how that works. And yet think about the man who was born blind, you know, and, and Jesus restores his sight at his request. Think about it. I was reading another post over the weekend about a woman who said, hey, remember, there have been times in scripture, and there's been probably times in your life too, where the faith of a friend helped make you whole. And then she used the example of the guy who was the uh, the, the paralytic, who Jesus was addressing a crowd of people, and they literally cut a hole in the roof and dropped him down. He didn't do that on his own. His friends brought him to see Jesus. That's why our witness is so important because now we don't physically bring people to see Jesus. People are brought to us and they see Jesus in you. They see Jesus in me. And how valuable it is to be used in that role. I mean, it's just, it's truly incredible to think about how the Lord uses us in the lives of other people. And yet I just, 
I, I can't stress enough here on this Good News Friday how valuable it is for you as a Christian and for me as a Christian to be able to stand in the culture that we're in right now as believers, knowing that your light will so shine before others that they will see your good deeds, they will see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Don't look at the mess and get stuck there. Don't dwell on it so much that you can't see past it. If the blind man in John 9 had not been able to see past his own circumstance, then he would still be blind. And people could get hung up on whose fault it is that he's blind and this, that, and the other thing. The name of the game is he needed sight. There are a lot of people who can see things right now, but do not have any vision. They can listen to other people, but they don't really hear what's being said. We need Jesus to unclog our ears, to open our eyes, to free our hearts, to be his vessels. And sometimes we can get wrapped up in our identity based on our, uh, well, our ethnicity or our denomination or even our citizenship. It's incredible. And yet, you stay humble, you walk closely with God, you do justly, <laughs> and you see, and you love mercy, and you see how God blesses you. On the other side of this break, I want to get into a uh, final Good News Friday story about a man of faith who is going to do something no one's done in the past 50 years. And the fact that he is able to do it and bring glory to God at the same time is just truly remarkable. We're going to talk about the story of NASA astronaut Victor Glover coming up next as the bottom line continues. You know the old expression, a picture is worth a thousand words? Well, if you're an expectant mom and you go to a pregnancy health center that is in partnership with Preborn, one picture can say way more than that. And that picture I'm talking about is an ultrasound picture. Every donation that goes to Preborn goes to providing ultrasounds for women who are expecting children and they want to know what all of their options are. When you call 833-850-BABY right now, you give a gift of $28 that provides one ultrasound. But if you give a gift toward the purchase of an ultrasound machine, now that's a $15,000 investment, but every ultrasound machine can do 250 ultrasounds per year and lasts a minimum of 10 years. That's 2,500 ultrasounds available to women right now. Think of all the babies, thousands of babies' lives that will be saved by your donation to Preborn right now. Call 833-850-BABY. 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-2229. Make your best donation right now. $50, $100. Maybe you want to give $15,000. It's completely tax deductible. We've had a couple of bottom line listeners step up and do just that. 833-850-BABY. 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-2229. Call Preborn right now. Welcome back to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, wrapping up this week's edition of the broadcast with a great story. I'm kind of partial to Christians in the NASA world uh, ever since growing up at uh, Lake Hills Community Church in Laguna Hills, California. Our senior pastor was uh, Dr. Harold Liesma, and he and his wife Lois had four children. Their son, David, was lieutenant commander uh, on the Challenger. And if you remember when Dr. Catherine Sullivan became the first American woman to walk in space back in 1984, her co-pilot that day 
was David Lispa. So I've always kind of followed the NASA story as well. So you can imagine that uh, we took the, uh, uh, the, the story of the next NASA launching to heart when we found out that a devout Christian astronaut is going to not only be a part of the first crew that would make a trip around the moon in over 50 years, uh, one of four people from two countries are going to make that trip next November, but that he's a great man of faith. Uh, earlier this month, NASA named the crew for Artemis 11, or Artemis 2, excuse me. Uh, it'll include NASA astronauts Christina Hammock-Cook, Reed Weissman, Canadian Space Agency astronaut Jeremy Hansen, and Victor Glover. Victor Glover will be the pilot for the mission. A former U.S. Navy commander, flew combat missions in Iraq, uh, served as a legislative fellow to John McCain uh, before joining NASA in 2013. And at the NASA event in Houston, announcing the Artemis mission earlier this month, Glover said he wanted to, quote, thank God for this amazing opportunity. He said he believes the celebration is about so much more than the four names that have been announced. We need to celebrate this moment in human history. Uh, the next step on the journey that gets human beings to Mars. And then he said, I pray that God will bless this mission, but I also pray that we can continue to serve as a source of inspiration for, co for cooperation and peace, not just between nations, but in our own nation. Uh, he has been profiled in the Christian Chronicle in 2020. He's a member of the Churches of Christ in the Houston area. Um, and he said, I want to use the abilities God has given me to do my job well, to support my crewmates and the mission and NASA. As a matter of fact, he said, here's the deal. He brought a Bible and communion cups to the uh, station and said what he's going to do is uh, I'm going to spend my time up there, of course, reading scripture, praying, but also uh, in virtual service and virtual giving. Now, uh, now, in addition to having Victor Glover on, who, oh, by the way, will be the first African-American to fly to the moon, uh, Koch would be the first woman to do a lunar mission, and uh, Hanson will be the first Canadian. So, um, really great to see this happening. And Father, we pray that they have a very successful mission when they do uh, take things in in November and to see how the Artemis II uh, does in terms of what they're trying to do to get a little bit closer to Mars. So much for us to explore. We will never fully understand it and appreciate it this side of eternity. But once eternity rolls around, look out, brothers and sisters, because it's going to be great. It's going to be so much fun. It's going to be so encouraging. And yet the good news for all of us is that not only do we get to see this incredible scientific creation, but we get to be a part of that history for all eternity, because not only do we see it, but we know the Creator, and He is our Lord and Savior and our Redeemer. That is the good news, and that's the bottom line.